0: with AWB Contract Templates.
1: He's seen me transition out of that hustle, hustle, grind, grind over the years. I'm always there when he leaves, but I'm always there when he's home. And that's the difference. Like, my parents couldn't always do that. How do we find a way to leverage more time, more systems, more money, so that way we can continue to live the lifestyle we want to live without working hard?
0: Have you ever taken the time to acknowledge that you are doing things differently than how you were taught to do them and the impact that it makes? By choosing to live through your values and charting a new path, that's a very powerful example of behavior modeling. And this and so much more is exactly what we're talking about today, right here on Pause on the Play, where we challenge you to examine your beliefs question your predisposed notions and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So, today's episode, it's it's interesting because first of all, I love conversation. Like a conversation that isn't like here's a bunch of, you know, bullet points and questions and we go through all these things like it really does kind of go off And have a life of its own. And that was what happened today. And in my interview with Gerard Norman that you're going to listen to here in a second, the interesting thing is that I kind of thought I knew where I wanted this to go. And the conversation just gave so much. And it was so interesting to hear some of his backstory and how it's not only shifted things for how he wants to do business, how he interacts with people and humanizes them, but also how his business is a way for him to choose to live his life differently, to create a life that really serves and supports him and his family and what he wants for them to create by being connected with each other, being present. And as a black man that is saying, I want to do it differently, but I'm also not going to take anything away from what I was given. I'm just taking this opportunity and this access to choice and I'm going to do it different. I mean, I, yeah, awesome. And so I'm going to stop talking about it and I'm going to let you listen in. So it is time to go ahead and listen in to my convo with Gerard Norman. Enjoy. All righty. So I think very often people that are in the professional space feel like they have to go on a podcast and they have to talk about what they do. And I know and I know that, you know, too, that there's a lot of value in storytelling and storytelling is also a very powerful way in humanizing yourself as more than simply a service provider. And reminding people that you are human and that you're willing to witness them as humans and within their humanity as well. And so today, I'm really, really excited to introduce you to Gerard Norman. Gerard is a father of two wonderful boys, Joseph and Zamari, and he's a husband to Danielle. And I just want to acknowledge here in this moment that because his bio starts off with who he is as a human, you already Are reminded that you are in a safe space to be able to show up as who you are when you're interacting with him. So I just had to kind of call that out. He started working in the shipyard back in 2003 in Newport News Apprenticeship, building aircraft, carriers, and submarines. He rose through the ranks, but was often met with opposition because he didn't understand the politics. He thought that having integrity and pride in your work and getting it done right would be enough to elevate him, but he found that he was wrong. He started kind of figuring out what the side hustles were, what is the thing that you know he was passionate about, but he just couldn't quite figure it out. However, in May of 2012, he was hit by an 18 wheeler truck and had to grapple with the reality that he just could not continue working in the yard anymore. And he was forced to find new ways to take care of his family. And in that process, he was able to create his own roles and culture. And ultimately, regardless of whether you are religious, spiritual or none of the above, powers that be, whatever they might be, will often be like, great, you weren't listening to me. Let me go ahead and give you this. This is going to make you do it. And not always what we want, but sometimes it's what we need. So I want to get into this concept and this conversation with Gerard. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um Think you did a great job with that introduction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so
1: much. I was feeling I was like, wow. It's like it's 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 humbling to go through it. It's it was it's really humbling, like even just hearing it and and the fact that people are interested in that. And I and I think it just goes to show you it's not just me. We all have a story to tell. So don't think anybody doesn't want to hear your story. I think everybody wants to hear how you overcame and uh so that they can.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's so much power in witnessing a black man who does not always get a, what I'm going to say is the appropriate level of respect or consideration in American culture. I won't speak about abroad. I'll say here, uh, because this is where I'm from. This is my frame of reference. But I feel like very often your experiences, you know, your frame of reference, what your normal is. Can be negated, and there's a lot of assumptions made about you know who and how you are, and so I think that there's so so much importance in us having this conversation because I want people to really understand a little bit of that insight of you know what it was that really contributed to you being the person that you are right now that you know I met through India and that you know, I love knowing is in the community with us because you contribute in such an open and vulnerable way. And I, I mean, as a human, I'm like, this man's amazing.
1: Oh, well, um, you guys provided the space and I, I think it's a testament to who you are and who India is that, um, people feel comfortable doing that. I'm, I'm much more of an open book than I was uh, back then. I'm still learning how, you know, cause men are usually taught to just do what they're supposed to do and shut up and move forward. Which, to an extent, there's a you, you should do some of that because everything's not going to always be your way. But I think at a certain point we're, I guess taught not to feel, and I'm starting to understand that now because I don't really feel much of nothing. I'm I'm learning to feel more and more. So if I feel I'm in a place where I'm comfortable with people um, to have those conversations, I will. And I just think that you, your community is is the perfect place for that. So that's just. A plug if anybody else feels that like they want to have some of that as well, then you guys should join their community because it's a great place.
0: Oh. Got me blushing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and that and that means a lot. And I I had to acknowledge something that you said that in my experiences, I think I have met a lot of, of men, um, specifically men of color and black men that have not acknowledge for themselves, let alone out loud to anybody else, that feelings and even just feeling anything uh, wasn't normalized. And you get so used to it that that becomes normal. And I don't, I don't want to gloss by that because I think that you, you know, really kind of verbalizing that to us is, is a huge thing. And, you know, I have to ask how that's, how that shifted things for you to kind of have that realization
1: think it's helped out a lot because there's just so many different scenarios and situations that come up in your life. And, you know, there's a second part to that for me, you know, my family always was known for working hard. So uh, to everybody or to most people you think work hard work kind of gets you where you need to go. And mm-hmm. I would, I was willing to work hard at the expense of anything and everything, you know, um, and that even, you know, shifted into what happened in the shipyard, but I felt like hard work was everything. So it was like, yeah, I don't feel like doing this. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. If this is what you want, go do it. And, you know, I don't mind having a bit of that and I'm glad it's got me where I wanted to go. But now that, you know, I'm not in survival mode anymore. I'm nowhere near survival mode. I need to put myself in a situation to figure out what's best for me so that I can be in tune with, I would say just, just having good energy, right? Because sometimes we're not aware of, how, how things affect our energy and how, and how that carries us throughout our day from minute to minute, from day to day. And one thing that I've been working on and I had shared with you in India earlier, um, was I'm looking to have more fun. And the only way that I can learn to start having fun is just to, to sort through my feelings and deal with things that I probably wouldn't have dealt with in the past because I just didn't know any better. But now it's like, I have the people that are around me coaching, um, you know, my wife, she's amazing. Like she's, man, she, she's everything she's, she's seen me do a whole bunch. And, um, she, she's a big part of my story as well. I just feel like, uh, now it's just time to have more fun and be around great people. And again, that's, that's why I'm even here on the podcast because I I love talking to you in India and, uh, you know, people talking to people like yourselves gives me good energy. And, um, the beauty about my situation now is I get to choose who I want to talk to. I don't have to talk to people like I used to have to do at work. It's it's all about what I wanted to do, but not being able to talk at work and, and do things the way I felt I needed to do them. It's you, like you said, you had to keep burying your feelings and you just had to keep moving forward. And, you know, there's other ways of getting things done. So that's why I did it.
0: I want to have you kind of share one thing that kind of makes Gerard the human that he is. Is there something that you'd want to share that you would want people to know about kind of who and how you are?
1: Well. Something that you had pointed out earlier was that when people do read my bio, most of the time, the first thing it's about is my family, you know, my sons, my wife, and how that means everything to me. Spending time with them and just being mindful, being in the moment and actually enjoying them and not just kind of passing through, which, you know, I know my parents did their best and not, and they were mindful in situations with us, but um, the way that they had to work to take care of us. It didn't always leave time for that. So uh, I'm just grateful for what my, my family has done before me to, you know, for me to even be in a position where I could be one, aware of that, and then two, actually you know, be able to take advantage of it.
0: Absolutely. I think, I think that's huge. And what you said is absolutely accurate, you know, trying to have a different situation and approaching it differently and doing the best you can with it. So I agree totally. So tell us what it is that you do, how it is that you support people. And a little bit of kind of what led you to creating your business.
1: So what I do is help people to grow their business using paid social media ads. And what paid social media ads typically include are platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Google. And what we do is we find a way to get your product or service in front of your ideal customer. And we help you convert it into sales on the back end. We've generated millions in sales in different industries, different countries all around the world.
0: Of course, all of this to me really does kind of cue us into the way that you operate. So, of course, I have to ask, like, you know, with past experiences that you've had, is there kind of anything in particular that stands out to you that has really shaped the way that you now you know, run your business and operate from a professional standpoint. I'd also love to hear from you, not so much be from a like, oh, what do you do perspective, but you know, what do you do from that place of like, how are you supporting people differently? Um, you know, obviously tell them what you do, but at the same time, like, you're not anyone else. No one else is going to be able to do what Gerard does, and so I would love to be able to just kind of hear how it is that you are running your business differently?
1: For me, integrity is at the forefront. And the way I feel is if I can't deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver on, and I can see that in advance, I truly don't believe in taking somebody's money unless I can help them. So when I'm on a call with someone and we're going over their business and they're letting me know what their goals are, I feel like, for me, I'm actually interviewing them a lot harder than they're interviewing me and they're the one that's looking to pay me. I have to fulfill <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? I have to come yeah. through on that. So, yeah. you know, at times, you know, am I a little selective, sure. And at the same time, it's like if I don't feel like I can get it done, then it's not just, all right, well, I can't do it. I, I know other people who do what I do that I trust. Right. And if I think that they're a good fit, I'll I'll, you know, I'll make the introduction. And if that's not a good fit for you, then I'll make another one, but I had to actually start putting myself first and and figure out what what works best for me and how can I help someone in the process? But if it's not a good fit, don't force it because no amount of money is worth that kind of headache.
0: So of course I have to ask kind of what what led you to creating your own business? Because I know for some people it was out of necessity and others it was because they had the entrepreneurial bug. But what really in life, Led you to that moment of like, yeah, I'm going to start my own and this is what I'm going to choose to do?
1: Well, that's a really good question. I don't think everybody's ever put it to me that way. So for myself, I would say when I was working at the shipyard, I got approached with, you know, I think a lot of people get approached with direct marketing opportunities. I got approached with a few of them. I was interested in making some extra money. So I went and checked it out and it let me see that I could actually have my own business. Um, The model is great, it's not necessarily for everyone. But even before that, you know, I had started a car parts business. I was like, well, I'm already at work. People need stuff. How can I get them what they need? People really didn't understand the internet. And I understood enough how to search and find products for cheap. And I would ask people what they needed for their car parts. And I would make a little money here or there. I mean, of course, I didn't understand marketing back then. So I didn't have a consistent flow of people coming to me. But um, it, it was just always interested in making more money. And and finding ways that I could do that that would fit kind of what I was into at the time.
0: So, like you said, you were working at the shipyard and you started to kind of like, okay, I think there's some other things that I can do. I think I can do this for myself. And the interesting intersection that I don't think a lot of people truly value is that when you're working for somebody else and beginning to move into the space of I want to create my own. And figuring out what that looks like, you really have a lot of value in being able to question, is this the way I want to do things? Is the way I was told that this has to operate? Like, is this how this has to be done? And I'm curious, like, what lessons did you kind of learn in working for someone else that you took with you into creating something that you chose to create? You know, keyword meaning being choice there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things was uh, we talk about politics. So the first thing I didn't want to bring with me was any of the bullshit. Now, you know, you do what you're supposed to do. And if you do it, then you're good. If you don't, then you're not. There's no favoritism. There's no, uh, you know, passing a job like this is shipyard stuff. I used to see people go to do inspections. And before they went on the job with the inspector, they'd buy them a can of soda. We're talking about like maybe a dollar if it's overpriced. And they'd get a dollar can of soda and they'd pass the job without looking at it. It was killing me on the inside because it's not like, I'm, you know, a goody two shoes or anything, but I'm, my thing is like, at the end of the day, our names are on that and, you know, no matter how you feel about the military, whether you're pro military or not, you know, I'm working in an industry where people's lives are going to be on there. And if the pain starts failing, I'm not going to say it's going to be something that happens tomorrow, but. It could cause issues over time. So there's people's lives at stake. So I took my job serious. Integrity was everything to me, and I used to see stuff like that all the time. So we're just anti everything when it comes to things like that. Uh, we just want to work with great people, whether they're in our business, uh, you know, on our side helping our clients. And same thing on um, when it comes to working with clients, like we're really selective on who we work with because we just have to have some synergies in place in order to make sure that we can help you get to your destination. Because it's a partnership. You know, a lot of times people hire a marketer and they're like, all right, well, it's just going to get taken care of um, to an extent. But, you know, if if you want everything taken care of, then that's, you know, that needs to be in the scope of work. But a lot of times they just think, hey, we'll hire someone. It's just going to work. You know, they need things from you as well, um, especially if it's a business where your face is tied to it. You have to, you know, at the very least create content, you know, we can't create that for you. So there's, there's many different things. So for us, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that approach us. I'm not saying that, you know, I have a million people approach me to do their marketing, I'm not going to make something up, but we do have a lot of people that approach us and a lot of times they're not the right fit because of one, a few things, either they're not where they need to be and we understand what we're good at, so we'll put them in contact with somebody else that could possibly help them or after just having a conversation with them, our values aren't aligned. And I'm just like, well, you know what? I just don't feel good about this. And, uh, we're we're just not going to do it. You know, we, we, we really want to help you, but I think you'd be happier somewhere else. Um, just because at the end of the day, we're not driven by money, even though that's what we all need. We really want to do the right thing with the right people and feel good about what we do. And if we can't, then I just walk away from it. So, um, and there's been times where I've had to walk away from quite a few deals, times where I've got in with clients and I realized that they weren't the right fit. And I had that inclination. It was, it was like a weird feeling you get and you didn't know what it was. And then when it finally keeps resurfacing, you're like, shit, I knew what that feeling was the first day I talked to him <laughs> Right. I, I fucking ignored it. So I'm like, ah, you know, I just, I just keep that in mind. So, um, it's, it's, it's crazy how it all works out. So we, that that's how we operate compared to you know what I came from, some of the things that I saw, just treat people as equally as you as you can. You know, I think everybody should be treated equally. And at the same time, everybody's an individual. So you should be understanding and compassionate. And at the same time, you do have to draw a line in the sand because it is your business. But for me, it's building my people up, developing trust with them, and so that we all go to war together, versus like when I was at the shipyard, it was just cut through
0: well, and i have I have, you know, questions on it because, you know, being able to kind of treat people, you know, as individuals and having compassion and, you know, kind of that humanization piece of it, I think is, is so necessary. And I think in business, you know, kind of the old model of just, you know, it's just business doesn't work anymore. And I think that kind of really having that desire To, you know, one, pay attention to your intuition with what is going to be a good working relationship, but also be considerate and sensitive to people's individual needs. I think these things are very important. And I think there can sometimes be stories or stereotypes about Black men not being able to do that or not having that capacity. And you're clearly laying out that that's not a truth for you. So, I'm curious as to whether or not you found that, you know, really approaching it with that more, um, I guess, kind of a a softer, more, again, human way of doing it. How do you find that that's benefited you?
1: I think it's benefited me greatly because you want to be in the boot with the people that want to be there. And I can honestly say the majority of people that work where I used to work, I would say damn near all of them. They don't really want to be there. You know, maybe some of the leadership, like once I was in leadership and I had a job and I had deadlines and I was in charge of, you know, my projects. Yeah. I looked forward to going so I can take care of business. But, you know, we're talking about a few management people that might think that way versus the majority of the people. They're just showing up to get their check, you know, and sometimes, you know, they, they, they have integrity. Sometimes they don't. And it shows up in their work. It shows up in their attitude. So they don't want to be on the boat. Um. Yet they're there. Um, and I don't want people like that in my boat, you know, uh, right. I'm tossing, I'm tossing them over the side. So,
0: you know, it's <laughs> not letting them in, you know? So, yeah. Right. right. And so one of the other things I'm curious, I think just about anybody can think back at their upbringing and notice some of the stories that they've gotten about money and hard work and things of that nature. And I I mean, I I have all kinds and most of them are not beneficial to the human that I am and where I want to go. And I'm clearly hearing through the way that you process not only what you want to do professionally, but how you prioritize your family and your life. And, you know, Taking care of yourself, like, you know, I'll, I'll watch you on social media sometimes and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm reading a book. I'm in the sauna. I'm I'm taking care of me right now. This is this is my sole care. And I'm I'm curious if you can kind of pinpoint. Any of the stories. Or narratives that you were given about making money. That. You have thrown overboard. Using your words, throw them overboard. Don't let them on.
1: That's a really good question. You always have great questions.
0: <laughs> I try. <but laughs> I, I I don't always do it, but I feel like I do Seki's commercial now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always, I but when I do.
1: <laughs> so, uh, you know, first off, shout shout out to my you know my mom and dad again. Um, you know, I saw them work multiple jobs, so that hard work was instilled in me then. And I feel like, to an extent, we all need to understand how to. Uh, I would like, I would like a world, uh, it's hard to say. I feel like we all should understand how to turn it on when we need to. I don't think you should be in that constant mode all the time. And what my, my youth has conditioned me and even talking to my grandfather, he's older, he's always pounding the pavement pretty hard and it sounded like my great grandfather did, that was just, you know, what they had to do to survive. So for me, that's just natural. I mean, I think I started working with my dad around 11, cut grass, cutting trees, and then by the time I was 14, I was doing it like a full-time job during the summer, um, you know, and just so when I got into the shipyard, that work, that, that wasn't hard work because I had really worked hard, you know, out there with him. So that's one of the things. And I feel like that is, is connected to money as well is understanding that you don't have to work hard to be successful. Uh, is there some hard work? There could be, especially if it's something that you really want. But the thought that it has to be hard to be successful, I think that's one of the most unbeneficial things that I've learned growing up. and. Again, it was what was taught to my parents as well. And some of it was out of necessity because that's all they could do, especially, you know, given we're in a different time, like, you know, we're both wherever we want to be right now. And we both have money coming in that we're not actually doing anything to earn. I'm not going to say doing anything to earn, but we don't have to physically like, like we're not like a store where someone has to come in and purchase. We have money that's recurring right now without us having to do anything outside of maybe manage a team and make sure that processes are good. But it's not like I'm physically out there cutting a the yard to get the payment anymore. So some of these options we have now weren't available. Uh, but I think that was one of the biggest, the biggest things that I've been learning how to shake and do all the coaching. That's usually the thing that my coaches tell me, like, "Man, you're doing great." I'm like, "Are you just saying this to everyone, or do you mean it?" Because I feel like I didn't do shit, and they're like, "No, man, you're doing, you're killing it." <laughs> and I'm just like, "It's just, I, I believe them, and at the same time, it's like, I'm, it's, it's not them. It's the belief that I had in my head for years, right?" that I'm still working on.
0: I'm so glad you said it. So thank you for, because that story of there being a direct correlation between what you physically have done and how much you then are capable of earning has worn down emotionally, mentally, and physically so many people and many of them look like us because of the narratives that we were given. and. Some people, you know, in what you said, I think that there's truth in it, too, of like, oh, you're not doing anything. And it's like, no, I'm actually doing a lot. I actually put a lot of things in place. I'm leveraging my time. I'm leveraging, you know, my know-how. I'm leveraging what I'm bringing to the table and trying to make it work for me as opposed to if I didn't touch it, I can't have it. And I feel like that's a narrative. That we were given, and I don't think that it helps us. Now, I'm not looking at it from that point of view of, you know, from that capitalist point of like, yes, the more people I can get to work for me, the more money I can make off of them, but more from that perspective of how can I make everything that I've learned and experienced and this perspective that will benefit others? How can I make this work without having to work myself to death? Literally, that's some real shit. Uh, I think that's the biggest challenge that we
1: face, um, and of course, it's there's more things wrapped into it. But if you really think about this, and I've told this to someone before, from the time I grew up, I've been, you know, even as a baby, I don't know how long I, you know, when I started actually recognizing, but indirectly, I'm around the fact that my mom and dad went to work every day. They worked long hours. I had to go here. I had to go there, and I've been conditioned from a young child that that's what you're supposed to do. Like you said, especially in our community, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're too busy running. Right. So right. when my, when my son was first born, I was 26. So this was 2010. Yeah. This was in 2010 when he was born, I was doing the same shit. I was getting up, uh, I was getting up at like three something and driving my son from Hampton to, to deep Creek where my mother lives. So she can watch him cause she had just, uh, retired from a, a job. So she was willing to watch him as a baby, which was cool, but to drive from Hampton to, to deep Creek. That's like a 45 minute drive. Then have to drive back to Newport news to go to the shipyard another 30, 45 minutes and then do it again after work. Um, so, you know, I was perpetuating the same thing, just doing it in one job, you know, sometimes working overtime, but now my son, you know, that was until he turned about, cause it happened in 2012, 2013. So I would say about 2013 is when he started seeing a difference. Now, granted when I first got off the shipyard, I was still in survival mode trying to figure out how I was going to get things going. It was a totally different situation. Like all the tools I learned at the shipyard didn't necessarily translate into how to make money, you know, leveraging my, my know-how and my abilities because I didn't have anything outside of physical, the physical, right? I knew how to use the internet, but I really didn't have the understanding I have now. So he saw, he's seen me transition, even if he, he hasn't spoken a word or I didn't speak a word of it to him. He's seen me transition out of that hustle, hustle, grind, grind uh, over the years, you know? So even, even the simple point when I think since he's been, um, at least in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. I've taken him to school, Well, even before then, I, I basically take him to school and pick him up every day. I'm always there when he, when he leaves, if, if not taking him and I'm always there when he's home and just, that's the difference. Like my parents couldn't always do that. And it was because of the situations they were in. So I'm changing the narrative with him. In addition to the fact that, you know, I do teach him how, um, how to start uh, earning money, you know, passively because I still work now and I want to work less. I'm like, how do we find a way to leverage more time, more systems, more money? So that way we can continue to live the lifestyle we want to live without working hard and to make sure he does have some of that hard work. I, you know, we go to the UFC gym, so I take him there and he rolls around, does jiu-jitsu. He works hard on the mats. He works hard doing kickboxing in other physical activities. And to me, that's better than being out there cutting grass and breaking his back like I used to do. I still have back issues, not to mention the car accident. You know, so that's long lasting.
0: So first of all, I want to acknowledge so much that you just said there that is dismantling the way that we're told Black fathers operate, Black men operate, and how it has to be done what it is to make money. And first of all, thank you, because we talk so much about reconsidering your normal and you just gave so many pieces right there that I want people to really take in about how things can and are being done differently. And so I wanna, I have to go back and, and, and lay some of that out. First of all, hey, okay. <laughs> you acknowledge, like I want to find, ways to leverage what I'm doing to make money so I am not constantly having to work so hard, which means I can't be present for myself and I can't be present for my family because that's where I want to be. That in itself is something different. You are still instilling a work ethic in your son, but you're doing it differently because you want to try to preserve his body because you are living testament to what happens when your body shot the shingles and here we are and we really can't go backwards. (laughs) Um, But you also want him to still have that and you're doing it with him. So there's, there's that, you know, kind of um, you're, you're building that within him, but you're doing it with him. I want to acknowledge the fact that you are demonstrating to him what it is to begin to create generational wealth in that entrepreneurship spirit that a lot of us weren't shown. Um, it wasn't really modeled for us, you know, and we didn't necessarily know. And we just kind of are like, you know, what I would often call the accidental entrepreneurs so it's like, all right, well, shit, I got to figure it out. Somebody want to give me money for something. I guess I got a business. How can I make this a business intentionally? And then we have to figure it out. And I've even noticed with my kids of like, wait, I have them around so many people that have businesses and I didn't even recognize it for a long time. Like there's a group of us um, that go skating. And, you know, one of the days we were out and I kind of noticed like, wait, and I was talking to India about it. I'm like, we own businesses. You know, the other folks here with us, they own businesses. I'm like, wait, I have my kids around entrepreneurs. I didn't grow up around entrepreneurs and I, I am one. And having to recognize for myself, like I am literally setting a completely different example and giving them a different segue into what it can mean to be who and how you are and what's possible for you. And you're like, you know, hey, what I experienced wasn't bad, but I now have an opportunity and I'd like to do things differently on purpose. And so I'm utilizing the choice that I have at my disposal right now to plant some different types of seeds for myself and my family to harvest later. And I just, I just needed to give, to, to give that to the world real quick. Cause that was powerful. That was huge. What you just said. Well, you
1: know, it's almost like with anything, if, if when other people kind of uh, acknowledge things, it's, it puts it in a different perspective, even if it's just slightly shifting it. So it just became more real or just hearing the way you articulated it just there, you know?
0: That's that's huge. And as someone that, you know, I, I lost my dad at a young age. And, Sorry you know, my... Pa- well, and unfortunately, I did, but it's also instilled a lot of purpose in me. So while I'm not happy it happened, I am happy that I've been able to pull intention from it. And so... I thank you for it, and I thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of ways that I can make that loss not be something that's you know it was all for nothing, if that makes sense. And so, to hear another dad that is like, "Hey, I want to be present. Hey, I want to be in this." My parents divorced when I was young, and in a lot of ways, unfortunately, it 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 didn't work out in a good way, and I didn't get. Um, the type of time with him that I would have liked to have had. And so to hear that you really are, you know, putting your family first and making those connections and that effort to really create those, those memories and those foundations like that. I think that that's such a powerful thing. And I think it really does set the stage for how you choose to be an entrepreneur and how you're demonstrating you know different ways of being able to just navigate being human.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's a fine balance. It's a fine balance, and you know one thing I wanted to do too is you know acknowledge my dad again because he was in the navy, and when I did start doing all that work with him, he had started his landscaping business on the side, and then he left the navy, and then he still to this day that's that's his business. He's been doing it successfully for for years, and you know, I wasn't interested in necessarily doing it because, you know, I didn't get paid. Uh, <laughs> at a certain right. point, he did start paying me, but in the beginning, it wasn't no, he's was getting paid or anything like that. It was like, I said, come out, come out. So I'm just the type of guy. If I got to do it, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to drag my feet. But just seeing that he was able to make a living without having to work for somebody else, I was around that. So it, it definitely influenced. Um, even if that's not at the forefront of when I was doing my thing, I didn't think, oh, dad did this. It was just, I was in that environment and I saw it. and. I was, you know, I was out there with him, you know, doing it and seeing how he was making it happen. So for me, when it was time for me to do my own thing, I mean, I've already tried so many things before. It was just like, but now I was just forced to have to not be dipping my toe and to jump all the way in.
0: Right, right. I think there's something so powerful about behavior modeling in that way. And it's less about let me tell you this and so much more about let me show you this. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's a, that's a huge thing. So as we begin to move toward the end, um, is there one mindset shift or action step that you would like to share that you think could benefit those listening to our conversation?
1: I would say that one mindset shift that I've been working on outside of, like you said, removing myself from the hard work equals success. Because again, that's, a lot of our, our natural state. So when things start ramping up, it's almost like I show up like, all right, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to roll. And that's not the right way to attack it. So uh, one thing that my coach um put me on to was, uh, Coach Mihai was telling me a firehouse versus the fire ground. And when you operate in that manner, you're operating on the fire ground. And some people enjoy it, but you can't do that forever. So you have to give yourself firehouse time, which the firehouse is when, you know, like if the fire chief sits in the firehouse and plans everything out and the guys go out and put out the fires. So you have to be able to start giving yourself more time to plan and think things through so that way you can get the most out of every, it's almost like lifting weights, you get the most out of every rep if you really concentrate on what you're doing. And a lot of times, especially when you're in survival mode, and this is what I went through, I didn't know I had to do that. I just thought the answer was to work harder, work harder. Shit, I'll work harder. I think- you know, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll put myself up there again. Not anymore. I'm glad that I don't, you know, wear that badge of honor anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, naturally, sometimes you you start to think that way. And then, I, you know, I'll catch myself. Well, that's not how you operate. Um, what's the best way to handle this? You know, who versus how? It's a good book that I read. Shout out to my Uncle Andre. Put me on to that. It, you know, finding who's to put in position for yourself instead of asking yourself how you're going to get it done. And if you're not in a situation to do that, that's fine. You just have to create a system, which is just documenting whatever it is you do. So that way, when you're ready, you can hand it off to somebody else and it frees up your time. So just keep working on freeing up your time, being more mindful in the moment. Um, Something that I came up with that kind of signifies how to be mindful in the moment is called GAVE. Stands for gratitude, appreciation, visualization every day. And that's something, it's like a process I go through every morning. First thing I wake up, what am I grateful for? And of course, I'm grateful for my son and some my wife and, you know, and I, and, I, and that's automatic, right? But I try to go a step beyond that and think of other things that I might not think about as well. Because if you keep saying the same thing over and over again without adding anything else to it, then you'll you'll find a reason to stop doing it because you haven't developed the muscle and the repetition yet. So try to think of different things. It could be something as simple as your nose was stuffy yesterday and everybody hates having one of those nostrils clogged up and then the next day you can, you know. <laughs> You could breathe <laughs> you could breathe real good the next day, and then it's like it never happened versus being grateful that, yeah, I definitely you know because then tomorrow you could be grateful for the fact that you, your your breath is coming through nice and clear because it's it's a pain in the ass to have that that sore nose. So there's so many small things that you can um be appreciative and grateful for. Uh, so I like to go through those things and then I think about the vision for my family, myself, and in my business and think about what how do I see things. And the right. feelings and the words that I want associated. So usually my vision is victory, success, abundance, joy, love, peace, security, freedom. That That's my vision every, every single morning that I go through. And I do it at night as well. So it's just a simple process. And the E stands for every day. And I just do it every day. And if you can control how you start your day and how you finish your day, um, the in-between is actually way more manageable.
0: It's funny. I'm laughing because I'm like... You know, my reality, because I cannot breathe barely out of the nostril right now. I'm like, Ugh. oh, my gosh, I pulled my Oracle card getting out of bed this morning. It was like healing. I'm like, great. Does healing me and I can breathe soon. Please and thank you. So, Which is it's accurate. It's the little things. I swear it's the little things.
1: It's the little things like even being outside and just actually like like I'm in my office now. I could see a tree, you know, just staring at the tree and just admiring the beauty, just, I don't know, just being more in tune. So, and it's, I feel like it's easy to do when nothing's going on, but you have to condition yourself on how to control your own energy. Cause when things do happen, you have to be able to regulate yourself and, um, smooth and steady and being patient wins the game. Of course, sometimes you will have to run into overtime. You might have to pull an all nighter here or there depending on where you're at in your life, but that shouldn't be the
0: norm. Right. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I have to say is thank you, because you shared so much, you shared so vulnerably. And for that and your time, I want to say thank you. And I want to make sure that you tell the people where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can take up some time to begin to dip into their own gratitude practices and where they can do that along with you.
1: That's awesome. Um, I appreciate it. And yeah, thank you for having me. Um, this was an awesome conversation. And As much as I love talking about marketing, I like to just have conversations with people. And over the years, I've got to meet more and more people that actually are the people that I want to hang out with, because I usually didn't find too many of those in my workplace. So Mm -hmm. thanks for having me around (laughs) and letting me be a part of the fam. But as far as where you can find me, um, I would say on Instagram, Gerard, J-E-R-A-U-D underscore G A V E that stands for the, you know, the, the acronym we just talked about, um, on there, I'll post marketing stuff here and there. A lot of times it's, it's, it's more me being a human than talking about what I do, I'll be honest. Uh, so I, you know, we sprinkle a little bit of it in there, but I I love talking about my kid more than marketing. So um, (laughs) showing pictures of him and, you know, being a dad is like the best job in the world and and I want to be, I mean, I am a full-time dad. I was a single dad for a long time, but I'm not anymore but I want to be like, I want that to be like my main job above everything else. So I'm always fighting for that time to, to to get with my son. So yeah, check us out there. You can check me out on LinkedIn, Gerard Norman over on LinkedIn, or you can check out our website, gerardmarketing.com. And um, if you want to talk, you can schedule a call. And if I can help you, like I said before, I will definitely um, prove to you why I can. And if I don't think I can help you, then I always have people that I can put you in contact with that I feel could provide you with some good service. Uh I, I take referring people out seriously. So I won't pass you along to just any Jack or Joe. So
0: yeah. all right. We'll have everything in the show notes so people can connect with you. And again, for your time, your energy, everything that you do. Thank you, Gerard. Thank you. I'm so glad that Gerard joined me in this conversation because um, you know, when we're in the community you know like we talked about, I love how open and honest he is and how vulnerably he shares and how he genuinely wants to support people and he wants to be in these conversations and it really is such a potent demonstration of his values. Just like he talked about him in the episode, like you could clearly hear in his voice and what he laid out for you that his values, Absolutely define and direct how he wants to move through life and how he wants to set an example for and with his family. And I don't know if there could be a better example of how important and necessary and integral values are to everything. And that's exactly why we do that with implicit to explicit, because so often people think, oh, they're, it's, it's fine. I know what my values are. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to know it. You have to really understand it. You have to embody it. And you have to know what are the actions that go with it. And Gerard gave you so many of the actions that really demonstrated what matters to him. And so if you would like an opportunity to be able to figure that out for yourself, I would love for you to be a part of implicit to explicit. If you want to be a part of a public offering, or if you'd like to do it privately with your team or group of people that you curate to come together and do this alongside you. So if you'd like to learn more, come on over to pauseonaplay.com. You'll be able to see when we have a public offering coming up or you'll be able to contact us to be able to set up your private implicit to explicit with India and I. So as always, for being able to be here, to listen in, to take this conversation and all the values that came from it, I want to thank you for choosing to remove stigma, create real change, and reconsider your normal. Thank you. Together, let's continue crossing lines, recreating boundaries so that we can all support and not separate. Together, let's continue getting more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So, until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye.